Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old championship Monday. March Madness comes to a conclusion tonight. Gonzaga, Baylor, who's going to be crowned champions? We just saw the women's uh, championship get crowned yesterday, and that came down to the last shot. We just saw Gonzaga in the Final Four hit a wild three-point buzzer beater to win. So hopefully this championship game can kind of live up to what we've already been seeing in March Madness so far. So Going to be a great one. I think it's tipping off at like nine o'clock tonight, so a little bit of a later start. A little bit of a later start, unfortunately. But uh, we'll kind of talk about that briefly. Kind of summarize our bracket as well. Uh, we'll be continuing on our NFL draft prospect of the day. We're going to be looking at Tyson. Campbell, cornerback from Georgia, seeing what that man can do, seeing if our team should draft that man. And we are only 24 days away from the NFL draft, so absolutely cannot wait. Let's see who our future of our teams is going to look like, folks. Um, And then, as always, breaking down what happened in the NBA last night, doing a moneymaker uh, for tonight's action and all that good stuff. So let's just jump right into it here today. First story up, Jets may keep Sam Darnold and draft a quarterback at number two overall. I think that, yeah, I, I think that's kind of a solid choice there. Like I said, I mean, they, they're bringing in a rookie head coach who's never been a head coach before, Robert Sala, who's kind of a defensive-minded head coach. Sam Darnold's been here for a couple of seasons, kind of know, you know, get, the, get a nice kind of offensive perspective of the Jets organization a little bit. Nice little decent veteran presence out there to kind of make make that transition for Robert Sala a little bit easier. Let Robert Sala go get the quarterback he wants in the draft. But then this season, I mean, there's still pressure on him this season. Everything still needs to look smooth and look at least competent out there. I mean, if Robert Sala comes in here year one, got rid of Sam Darnold, trusted this rookie quarterback, and they went like one in one in 16 now because there's 17 games now being played. You know, 17. What if they're the first 0-17 team? I mean, that would just put an instant red Red Cross, Red X on Robert Sala's coaching career right off the rip. So, yeah, play it a little bit safe. I've got no problem with that. Let Sam Donald kind of take the bulk of the work, maybe even in, just in the first half of the season if they draft the quarterback at number two and then, you know, implement the rookie quarterback midway through the season once he's kind of gotten acclimated to the NFL a little bit or just keep Sam Darnold for the entire season. Let him run and let the let the rookie quarterback kind of be the backup for the entire season. Then when Robert Sala has kind of a nice kind of year one under his belt, the rookie learned from Sam Darnold a little bit, maybe even saw some action. Maybe Sam Darnold was blowing out some teams in some games and you know was up 40 to nothing in the fourth quarter and the backup got in for an entire quarter maybe something like that and then next season come 2022 when um you know Sam Darnold played the entire 2021 season and maybe even looked good maybe he looked you know like a team would want to kind of have him for three or four seasons uh you know maybe then Robert Sala could have gotten a nice draft pick for Sam Darnold if they trade him um during the 2021 2022 you know mid-season or 
their offseason. They trade Sam Darnold, get another pick to help out Robert Sala going into year two, who already just kind of solidified a base year one. So um, I definitely think it's a smart decision to keep Sam Darnold and draft a quarterback. Or if Robert Sala is already dead set on keeping Sam Darnold, go and get a nice skilled player at number two. There's running backs, there's wide receivers decently deep in this uh, draft, and they're going to have the kind of their pick of the crop because we all know, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall to Jacksonville. So, yeah, I've got no problem with this. Keep Sam Darnold, trade Sam Darnold. I, I, I definitely think keeping him is the better option right here just to ease in that transition of Robert Sala, a defensive-minded head coach. So, we'll see what the Jets do. They've got 24 days to kind of decide what they want to do with Sam Darnold before the draft or we might be seeing a trade on draft night uh, Sam Darnold maybe for some extra picks so we'll keep an eye on the Jets here with Sam Darnold and their decisions but I definitely think it's a smart move to keep Sam Darnold and draft a quarterback this season Alrighty, moving on. Sean Payton here. Uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees' retirement won't fully hit until Saints offseason workouts start. I mean, yeah, I mean, Drew Brees isn't just kind of an on-field player. We know that this man is a fantastic leader. I mean, if you have ever heard any of his pre-game speeches, you would want to run through a brick wall for this man. He gets me pumped up. I know we've listened to him on the show a couple of times of just kind of the sheer difference of kind of, you know, Sean or uh, Drew Brees' kind of leadership and, you know, pre-game speeches compared to, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, that let's eat a W, the infamous pre-game speech of him, of his, so... Sean Payton knew the uh, retirement was coming, didn't love it, definitely is going to miss him a little bit. I mean, Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I think we have to kind of talk about them as kind of, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I mean, the coach-quarterback duo really just got it done, dominant really every single season. Just truly unfortunate that, you know, Brees and Sean Payton only got to one Super Bowl and only won one ring, and, you know, unlike Bill Belichick and Tom Brady where they got six. So, um, you know, that's the only difference disparity that's really the only main difference between Sean Payton and Drew Brees compared to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady they all had success and all have broken numerous amount of records it's just the rings I mean it's really lopsided with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick so Sean Payton's definitely going to miss that kind of leadership and that dependability. You could always count on Drew Brees to go and get it done. If you were down 14 in the fourth quarter and you had Drew Brees, you really weren't sweating too much, honestly. You know, all right, he, he'll, he'll go get it done. We can in, we can easily score a 75-yard touchdown pass right off the rip, be down one possession, and, you know, we'll, we'll feel good at that point. But, uh, you know, with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill both being kind of, you know, uh, you know, the next man up, we're still not sure. Sean Payton goes into uh, some quotes here in this article about, um, you know, it's definitely going to be a true competition. It's kind of 50-50 right now on who's going to start. So uh, not only is Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill going to have to perform on the field, they're also going to have to perform off the field because that's what Drew Brees brought to this Saints team every single season. So they're not just missing a nice, talented quarterback. They're missing a huge, great veteran leader who knows what it takes to win in this league, who knows what it takes to be consistent in this league, to be consistently competitive in games. So, And Jameis Winston doesn't know what that feels like. I mean, the man was slinging it in Tampa Bay. He had no regards for interceptions or touchdowns or anything. That's why he went 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions in a season. The man was just slinging it. He does not know what it takes to win consistently. He never even won consistently. I think the most he ever won in a season was like eight or nine games. That's not winning consistently. That is nothing that Drew Brees does. I don't even know how many times Drew Brees won, went eight and eight in a season. Let's get that up real quick. 
Um, let me see if I can pull up this really quickly here. I want to say that he's only went 8-8 eight and eight maybe twice. Maybe. Let's see what we get here. All right, uh, we'll just go through these very quickly, starting from 2002 to 2020 here. Eight and eight the first season, then two and nine his second season, but he only played 11 games. Uh, 11 and four, nine and seven, 10 and six, seven and nine. All right, so that was a bad season by him, so we'll count that as one. Then he went eight and eight, and so we'll count another one too. 13 and two, 11 and five, 13 and three, then back to seven and nine, 11 and five. Then he, ooh, he had three straight seasons of very not good records, but great stats. I mean, he threw for 4,900 yards, 4,800 yards, 5,000 yards over the this 2014 to 2016 stretch but the records were seven and nine seven and eight seven and nine so that was a little bit of a bad stretch there but then he cleaned it up 11 and 5 13 and 2 and then just his last two seasons truly unfortunate here eight and three um you know because he got injured and then nine and three so i mean he got injured those seasons but still was winning more games than Jameis winston did playing the entire season so he's he knows what it takes to win folks consistently so Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, whoever wins that starting job, has to step it up in the leadership department. We don't, I, 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 we, we get a decent sense of what Taysom Hill can kind of bring to leadership. We've seen him kind of fill in uh, for a couple of games this season when Drew Brees was out, and we've also kind of seen him play along with Drew Brees because they use Taysom Hill as kind of you know a trick player out there lining up at the tight end or just kind of doing some end around things. So you know every uh, the guys buy into him a little bit more. The guys maybe respect him a little bit more because they've been able to play with him for a little bit longer um, where Jameis Winston coming from Tampa Bay like we said that I, I will never forgive and I will never forget that infamous let's eat a W speech I mean nobody was buying into it Jameis Winston was doubling down on it, biting on it, chewing on and sucking on his own fingers. And there was just crickets and nobody wanted to play for him. I think honestly teams wanted to play for the opposing team and like sack Jameis Winston based off that one speech alone. So we'll see what Jameis Winston has learned leadership wise from Drew Brees, but I'm, I'm definitely open for this competition. I want to see who goes out there and wins it because I love what I saw from Taysom Hill in those kind of short few games from this season that he played. And I mean, Jameis Winston, he threw for five thousand yards so I gotta give him some respect there at least I mean Drew Brees threw for five thousand yards and that's the that's the only thing that Drew Brees and James Winston have in common they both they both have thrown for five thousand yards in a single season now Drew Brees has done it five times where James Winston has only done it once but hey you still did it and there's only like eight quarterbacks in this league who have done it so We'll see who wins this quarterback competition. Should be a great one. And uh, whoever doesn't get that starting role, I think they're still going to get kind of worked into the offense at some point. You know, kind of somebody's going to have to make up for that Taysom Hill role if Taysom Hill becomes that starting quarterback. And Jameis Winston isn't the fastest, but maybe they kind of put him out there for some trick plays. Or if, you know, Jameis Winston wins a starting job, then Taysom Hill can stay at that tight end position and still kind of run some of the same offense that they ran with Drew Brees. So we'll see what happens here. Still a long offseason. Um, it's still a possibility that the Saints draft a quarterback as well. I don't think they do that, but that would still be a possibility having those two quarterbacks and the rookie uh, all competing for the starting job. But we'll see what Sean Payton decides to do. See if he kind of puts leadership and skill, kind of how he's going to kind of rank the quarterback battle on what kind of really matters more, just sheer talent or talent with leadership. And we'll see which quarterback comes out on top. 
Alrighty, oh boy, this is a dangerous one to talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Here we go. Bucks cornerback Carlton Davis, absolutely magnificent this season for the Bucks' success defensively. Uh, so he did not, he got into a little bit of hot water yesterday on Twitter. Uh, so he used an, ant, er, an anti-Asian slur on Twitter. So that's that's the crime that he is accused of committing. So let's get that original tweet up. He deleted it. He did delete it. Uh, so this is the official tweet from Carlton Davis here. Gotta stop letting the word blank in Miami. And the word, the anti-Asian slur is a G word. If you know your slur, if you know your racist slurs, it's the G word. Uh, so he tweeted that out. Then deleted it because I'm sure his manager or his agent called him as soon as he tweeted that. It was like, you need to delete that now. It's never a good thing when you tweet something as kind of like a big celebrity or professional athlete. And then two seconds later, your phone rings. You know you done messed up. And I'm sure that's how it went there for Carlton Davis. So he tweeted, got to stop letting blank in Miami. Got a lot of pushback, deleted the tweet, all of that, and then he issues an apology, and this is his apology right here. I used a term that from where I come from has always meant, quote, lame, but I did not realize it has become much darker negative connotation. I have learned a valuable lesson and I want to apologize to anyone that was offended by seeing the word because we need to focus on helping each other, and that's a fantastic apology. He explained why he did it. Hey, I thought this... I I thought this word meant lame, really. Where I'm from, everybody uses it as just lame. So that's what I was using it at, just lame. Now, it does have different connotations, you know, depending on, you know, the situation. And that's really the key, man. Situations in this cancel culture is just absolutely, I mean, I think we can all agree that cancel culture is just literally the dumbest thing ever. I mean, can we all relax a little bit? Can we all take off of our, you know, uh, can we all take off our... Um, like high horses. Can we all get off of our high horses, please? Uh, like, no, I don't think anybody is really actively trying to go out and, you know, cause hate and cause harm to a big segment of a of a group or of a population. Yes, there are racists out there that you can't do anything about that. You can try to educate them. I would say 99% of the population is educated and is tolerant and understands, hey, I'm not trying to hurt anybody out here, but we're people, folks. People are not all the same and people are just sometimes wild out there just doing wild things. Um, and it's unfortunate you can't stop it. You're never going to be able to end racism. It's just not going going to happen people are they just are you know little small minded out there and don't understand or don't care or don't realize or whatever it is but you're not going to stop at 100 but let's get back to uh, carlton davis here I would say this is a fantastic apology. Uh, like I said, you know, he kind of clarified, hey, I thought this is what it was meant. This is what I was kind of using it. You know, I was just kind of using the word to mean lame because that's where I'm from in my experience. And that's another huge thing I want to bring up. Your experience. Not everybody has the same experience. Not everybody kind of uses the same vernacular all the same. I know I'm just, I'm blabbing out words here left and right that, you know, I use that I kind of, you know, beef. I say beef down low. They got big beef down low. I know, you know, you, know, you can take that out of context and it's funny, but you know, that's just kind of where I kind of grew up and just kind of my vernacular and it, it's easy and it describes everything perfectly and I can just say it quickly. So, you know, just experiences and just different kind of vernacular and connotations of what you're kind of using the word to mean. Now, obviously you can definitely come up with a better word than this one. So you, you shouldn't have a problem kind of substituting, uh, you know, that word for lame now. <clears throat> 
Um, all right, and then he, you know, he apologizes. I have learned a valuable lesson, took something away from it, and is going to, you know, has the call of action. He he's going to not use the word anymore because he knows what it is now. Uh, so I think it's a fantastic apology. Hopefully, nothing bad comes out of this. We all know the big anti-Asian hate, whether it's real or manufactured. I mean, it shouldn't make a difference. I mean, honestly, I, I, I still don't understand why we all like why we have to be told 24/7 to kind of start respecting each other i don't understand why people don't in the first place and why we need constant reminders i don't think it does anything obviously uh we still had the same problems today back in you know 1940 now has it gotten a little better yeah i would say it's gotten a little better but uh the still things are the the same things are still happening and we're still using the same cause of action to try to fix those problems it doesn't work so we got to try a new approach but that's a different conversation i guess um but yeah, Carlton Davis out here, um, not good, but then good for the apology. And I don't think he's gotten that much bad pushback on this. I think um, a lot of people are kind of, you know, uh, a little understanding of him a little bit. And when we kind of... Uh, you know, kind of investigate his kind of claim a little bit further of, you know, he thought, you know, that word, that G word meant lame. If you go to Urban Dictionary, somebody actually posted this in the screenshot in the reply. If you actually go to Urban Dictionary, that word right there, that G word, a term commonly used in South Florida, where he's from, where which he said, hey, you know, where I'm from in South Florida, that's what we use out here. So in Urban Dictionary, a term commonly used in South Florida to describe a person who is lame so his his excuse his reasoning has merit and i think we all have to accept his apology 100 percent that he truly did not understand the full aspect of what he was doing out there or of that tweet so i've got no problem with the apology i think it's fantastic the reason for apologies folks is for us to move on that's like the same thing with like jail and like serving a sentence you know we you know you commit a crime you do the time and then you're still getting shit on after that time same it's like basically michael vick you know the dog fighting guy Got arrested for it or not arrested for I, I'm, I don't know what he got arrested for but you know he went to jail serve time and now people still bash the man it's like you know we're human we make mistakes and we have you know institutions in place that be like hey you made a mistake this is how you're supposed to pay for it and then you're still you know getting slacked and you know um you know just kind of um I don't know. Uh, you're still getting kind of um, slandered by everybody. It's like, uh, then what's the point of apologizing? What's the point of going to jail if you're still not going to be forgiven after? Uh, you don't have to be give, forgiven 100%, but you still got to kind of, you know, accept these people back into society and treat them like normal human beings. I mean, you have to learn lessons. I mean, that's what life's about. Just learning lessons, getting better and moving forward in life. But a lot of people don't care. You make the one mistake once, you're, you're, you're gone garbage for the rest of your life you are the devil for the rest of your life so i don't know man i i i got i, I mean now this tweet this word does not affect me in the any way i'm not asian i'm not pacific islander whatever you know the 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 umbrella of that term you know covers but you know so obviously you know my me accepting that apology does nothing um you know it's the ones who are affected should be the ones that kind of you know they're they're accepting of the apology really matters the most but I mean, honestly, I think this is a, 
I think it, I think everything should be fine from this moment on. Don't think he should get any more backlash if he is getting backlash at all. I think the apology is fine. I just think, you know, unfortunately, he was a bad word that, you know, it, where he's from has a different connotation. Not everything is racist 24-7, folks. It's like if you say one thing about like a different ethnicity or like a minority, you're 100% racist. No, it's just where I come from. Those words or those kind of... Um, stereotypes not always trying to like bring down people it's just stuff the community around me says so i've got no problem with the apology um so that's where we'll leave it at i guess um uh that's that's really all to say it's tough it's a tough thing to dance around because if you say one bad thing like now you're like we said you're instantly hitler you're instantly the devil so um We'll just leave it at that. Hopefully, nothing bad comes from this from Carlton Davis because we told you we're uh, we're Bucks fans now, folks. We are Tampa Bay Bucks fans out here now because they're bringing the band back together, and uh, you know they're going to be competing for another ring out here. So hopefully, Carlton Davis does not get uh, fade into oblivion because of this uh, tweet. Alrighty, here we go. NFL tweets out the who has the toughest schedule going into 2021. So let's let this play. Let's see who's going to have the easiest schedule. Let's see who's going to have the hardest schedule. And let's talk about it. So here we go. The first one up, the Steelers have the hardest strength of schedule. Oh boy, going into 2021. So that's not really great. We just call. We just kind of saw... The Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger flounder at the uh, back half of the season. Big Ben's arm kind of giving out a little bit on kind of the velocity and the accuracy and the deep ball ability a little bit late in the season. So now he's going to go through all that again because he's still aging. Aging does not stop here. So he's still aging. The arm's going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. I mean, that's just natural. I mean, now Tom Brady doesn't apply to that rule, but still everybody else does. Uh, so that's not going to be great for Big Ben. He's got a, even a harder schedule now. So let's see if they can make it work. They definitely got to get a run game if they want to kind of tackle the hardest schedule here in the NFL. All right, the second hardest schedule goes to the Ravens and kind of, you know, tough here as well. I mean, they haven't really been able to kind of make a deep playoff push with Lamar Jackson. Now the schedule's getting hard. They still don't really have that deep ball game in action. So if they want to kind of tackle this, like the Steelers to tackle their hardest season, they need to get a running back. And for the Ravens to tackle this second hardest schedule of 2021, they're going to have to go and get a nice kind of deep ball, deep threat wide receiver. So tough for them. And I think, didn't, uh, did they just get rid of their offensive coordinator? Mm, can't remember 100% on that. Oh boy, and here we go, number three here of the hardest schedules of 2021, the Chicago Bears, not good, Andy Dalton against the third hardest schedule, good luck, I think we can all say goodbye to Matt Nagy, that man will be fired next season, alright, fourth hardest schedule goes to the Green Bay Packers, not good, well, I mean, it, it's not going to matter. Aaron Rodgers is always good in the regular season, but he can't close it out in the playoffs. So, all right, Green Bay having the fourth hardest schedule, that means nothing. Uh, they'll still get into the playoffs. They'll probably win the division, but then it's going to come to the NFC Championship game. How hard is that going to get for, uh, you know, they couldn't have made it any easier for Aaron Rodgers this season. Three straight interceptions by Tom Brady. Only three points cashed out. That's the loss right there, folks. So, uh, the strength of schedule for a Green Bay is not going to make a difference here. 
All right, the fifth hardest schedule goes to Minnesota. They are bringing back Kirk Cousins. We just saw Mike Zimmer at the end of this season say, hey, this was the worst defense I have ever seen, ever been a part of. So they're definitely going to have to get their defensive right for the fifth, fifth hardest schedule of the season. Let's see if Kirk Cousins and Delvin Cook can get it done and Justin Jefferson. Um, all right. Tied for the six hardest here is the Bengals. Not good with Joe Burrow coming off that injury. So, I mean, definitely not making it for the rookie here. Having to overcome the injury year one. Having to overcome the six hardest schedule in year two. And then, oof, the tied for the six is the Lions. New head coach, Jared Goff, wanting to kind of prove himself here this season to kind of say, hey, Rams, you made a mistake by getting rid of me. Uh, so, if um, Jared Goff has some success this year with a rookie head coach for the Lions who's not going to work out Dan Campbell, what is that? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell's going to have a very, very tough time here. They're not making it easy for him year one. Definitely not making it easy for Jared Goff to kind of get revenge for the Rams at the six hardest schedule. All righty, let's see who's up at number seven here. <coughs> Alrighty, the eighth hardest schedule, because those two teams are tied for the six. The eighth hardest schedule is the Raiders. And once again, not very good for John Gruden here. These coaches, yikes. Um... John Gruden, great in the first half of the season these last two years, then flounder off hard in the back end and like missing the playoffs because of that. So eighth hardest schedule here, the Raiders, John Gruden, something's got to give. You've got some nice speedy pieces around you. Derek Carr, I think, in play. I mean, I've got no problem with him being the starter. Uh, you got Darren Waller, who's, you know, the I would say probably the most lethal, the the highest lethal ceiling of a tight end in Darren Waller. So, I mean, it's sink or swim. I mean, they paid the man $100 million to be a coach, and he hasn't really shown us anything that great. And uh, we haven't really seen, besides that Super Bowl win that, you know, everybody says, that, you know, he didn't create that team. Uh, it's not a great overall picture of what John Gruden can do as a coach. So, not getting any easier here in 2021. All right, ninth, ninth hardest schedule belongs to the Cleveland Browns, and I don't think they'll have any problem with that. I'm actually excited to watch the Browns this season. They took a huge step um, last season. The head coach got it right. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is great with Baker Mayfield. They know how to call plays. They know how to be great with their pieces that they have. So, um, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. The uh, ninth hardest schedule for the Browns. They'll, they'll be fine. All righty, 10th hardest schedule here for the Rams, and I think that's that's good. I mean, we all know their division is stacked. That's probably, you know, where the strength of that schedule comes from. But, um, you know, Sean McVay bringing in uh, Matt Stafford should have no problem with this, the 10th hardest schedule. So, um, you know, Sean McVay, sink or swim as well. You got rid of Jared Goff, so now you should be Super Bowl participants and actually winning it this time. So, all right, the Chiefs tied for the 11th hardest schedule. I mean, it doesn't matter who they face, folks. They're the best team. They have they lost only one game last season, two technically, because they rested everybody in the last week. But, I mean, they only lost two games all season, folks. It doesn't matter who they face. They're fine. They got talent. They got Tyreek Hill. You got Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, and... Um, the head coach Andy Reid. I mean, it doesn't matter who who everybody else is on who everybody else is on your team. They'll be fine. Alrighty, Seahawks. Yikes here. Also tied for the eleventh hardest schedule here. Now, I mean, Russell Mil Wilson making all this noise. Pete Carroll kind of saying, "Hey, I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson, you're good, but hey, you know, don't think you're you know untradeable or kind of irreplaceable here. We'll you know we'll." We'll listen to some of these calls here of trading you out. Uh, so we'll see how Russell Wilson's able to kind of bring this team back. Uh, they just got rid of their offensive coordinator. They kind of floundered in the back half of the season. 
So not making it easy on Russell Wilson after this kind of huge statement offseason made by everybody involved in the Seahawks organization. Alrighty, tied for 13 here is the Titans. I mean, that's pretty solid for them. That's, you know, that's kind of mid. Now we're starting to get kind of towards the, the the middle of kind of, you know, the average type of schedule. We just saw kind of, you know, the, the hardest schedules, you know, probably one through seven is, you know, that's truly hard. Um, everything else is just kind of, you know, even just kind of off by one or two games, but uh, tied for 13 <clears throat> Titans. And, you know, they've got great running games. It's just Ryan Tannehill has kind of a little bit of a lower ceiling. We know what this man can do. But we saw him when he, when he has to depend on him just alone winning the game by his uh, pure arm talent alone. That's where we still see things kind of get a little out of control there for the Titans. So <clears throat> they should have decent success here. Derrick Henry can, you know, do the bulk of the work here. We see him working out in the offseason, getting right, getting bigger than he already is, uh, getting more dangerous than he already is. So we'll see. I mean, really, this team will go as far as Ryan Tannehill takes them, honestly. They've got pieces everywhere. They did get a little less kind of deep at the wide receiver position leaving or losing Corey Davis I believe uh, but we'll see what they can do in the draft maybe kind of get another deep threat wide receiver but uh, it's it's Ryan Tannehill he's the one that's holding this team back uh, so we'll see what he can do next season <clears throat> Alrighty, let's see who they're tied with here. Oh, the Cardinals. I mean, they just got everybody. They just signed J.J. Watt. The receiving core is absolutely magnificent. So, Kyler Murray here, Cliff Kingsbury, they've been getting it done. Um, the defense is actually was actually kind of getting a little bit better towards the end of the season. So, this Cardinals team is primed and ready to make a deep run, and they got the 13th hardest schedule. That's kind of right in the middle, folks. There's 32 NFL teams, so tied for 13. That's basically, you know, just kind of average strength of schedule. So, I um, mean, once again, just kind of their own division is kind of weighing this kind of hardest schedule a little bit more harder than what it actually is. So Cardinals should have no problem here. They've got all the pieces for it, so they should be able to tackle this schedule not too bad out here. <clears throat> Alrighty, tied for 15th now is the Washington football team. And hey, Ron Rivera made it work last season with a little bit of a harder schedule. I think they ended up having a pretty tough schedule. Um, but either way, tied for 15th here, right in the middle of the road here. And for, you know, Tyler Heineke of uh, a quarterback battle, let's see if he can kind of win it over Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I'm definitely excited to see what Washington can do here. And I think, you know, a decent, favorable schedule for them. Look out for them to kind of repeat as um, division champions. All right, tied for 15th with Washington is the Houston Texans. So we'll see what they can do. We still don't even know if Deshaun Watson's playing. We don't even know if that man's going to get arrested. We don't even know if this man's going to be in the league anymore. So big old question marks here for Houston. Uh, their head coach is going to have to get it done as well, new head coach, because they fired their uh, head coach during the season last season. But uh, not very good here. They would have probably fared a little bit better if they, were, if they had the easiest schedule because of all their question marks going on. All right, let's keep it up here. Chargers, the 17th hardest schedule. Justin Herbert played absolutely magnificent last season. Now a little bit of an easier schedule here this season. Let's see this man work, and I'm definitely excited to see what this Chargers team can do. Now they do have a new head coach. They got rid of Anthony Lynn. So we'll see if he, if Anthony Lynn was kind of the reason why they were losing all those close games or if it's just kind of the something else that's going on with the Chargers. So let's see how they handle this kind of a little bit of an easier schedule. Alrighty, Jaguars have the 18th hardest schedule, and that's great for them. Having a new rookie quarterback going in, a little bit of a lighter schedule for him to kind of get acclimated to the league. Watch out for the Jags to take advantage of some of these easier games, possibly put them in a playoff position, depending on how Trevor Lawrence is playing. 
Alrighty, tied for the 19th hardest is the 49ers. We don't know what they're doing with Jimmy G yet. We know they've got, you know, decent defense. Um, you know, we we know they are losing Robert Salas. So we'll see if that defense can still be as good as it has been. But a little bit of an easier season, potentially with the rookie quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. He could make it work. And then also tied 19th with uh, the 49ers is the Jets. All right, so a new head coach here, Robert Sala. All righty, so Robert Sala, he obviously didn't change teams because he got an easier schedule with the Jets. They, they had the same kind of hardest schedule here. So well, this is going to be interesting to see how the 49ers handle their schedule compared to the Jets now that Robert Sala was with the 49ers, now with the Jets head coach. Um, and, you know, tied 19th hardest schedule, I think that gives a little bit more credence of what we just saw of the Jets keeping Sam Donald. Hey, we have have a little bit of a favorable schedule here let's try to take advantage of that get a nice kind of building blocks under us for this first season um, and then, you know, we'll make the decision whether we keep Sam Darnold or, you know, maybe kind of work on this rookie quarterback that we just drafted this year. So, yeah, keep Sammy D there as the starting quarterback in 2020. I think that's fantastic. 2021. All righty. Let's see who's at number 20 here or 21. <clears throat> let's see. Uh, ooh, three-way tie for the 19th hardest schedule, and also tied with them is the Patriots. Okay, so they're definitely going to need that. We saw how very lackluster their offense was last season. I mean, they couldn't do anything. Cam Newton had like six passing touchdowns. Um, You know who else had like six passing touchdowns? Alex Smith. So not very good out there, and he didn't even play every single game like Cam Newton did. Uh, so... Uh, we'll see kind of how this new look offense, we just saw them spend a ton of money in free agency getting kind of tier two wide receivers and kind of tier two tight ends. So we'll kind of see how Cam Newton does with all them. We'll see what they bring in in the draft, but a little bit of an easier schedule helping Bill Bell check out a little bit. All righty. All righty. Now let's see who's at 22 now or if there's another 19th hardest schedule out here. All righty. 11th easiest schedule now is going to the Saints, and wow, I mean, they get rid of Drew Brees, and now they have an easy schedule to implement either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill a little bit more, so watch out for the Saints, folks, they got an easy schedule with still kind of their rosters still pretty much intact, obviously losing Drew Brees is a big kind of leap down, but we'll see kind of how Sean Payton can kind of work these quarterbacks into what Drew Brees can do and what his production on the field is, so Saints getting kind of bailed out here with an easy schedule, losing Drew Brees year one. Alrighty, who is up next? Tied for the ninth easiest schedule is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, do they even need it, folks? I mean, they just got to the AFC Championship game. Damn it. Damn it. So now the Bills looking should have no problem getting into the playoffs, getting back to probably a high seed, potentially winning the division as well. And I'm sure the division kind of comes with this a little bit of the kind of the easiest schedule with the Patriots, very lackluster offensively, the Jets with the rookie head coach. And we won't even say the Dolphins because they're good out here. Let's stop the, dis let's stop the disrespect. Uh, so the Bills out here. Let's see what Sam, let's see let's see what Josh Allen can do. I mean, he made a great leap from year two to year three. Now he's got an easy schedule out here. There's no reason for this man to flounder or even take a half a step back. So uh, a lot of pressure on Josh Allen to take advantage of the easy schedule out here this season. Let's see who they're tied with at number nine here. Still haven't seen the Dolphins, still haven't seen the Bucks, still haven't seen the Colts, and yes, yes, Colts here tied at ninth easiest schedule, fantastic, we are looking for Carson Wentz to have a big old season, and he's got an easy kind of schedule to kind of get him acclimated into a new system, a new team, a team that actually wants them to be there, re-teaming up with Frank Reich, um, the running game is absolutely fantastic, they got great wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton's running it back for one more season, they got Pittman Jr. there, it's a great number 
number two, solid number two. And like we said, they're deep as heck at the running back position. Neham Hines, Jonathan Taylor, and I'm missing one. I'm always forgetting that third running back, but they're deep, folks. So Carson Wentz getting an easy schedule out here. Great team all or already around him. I'm telling this. this I'm, I'm gonna say it right now. This Colts team is going 17 and 0, folks. They're going 17 and 0. Easy schedule. Great pieces everywhere on this field. They're ready to rock. Alrighty, eighth easiest schedule. Yes, sir. Love it. It's the Giants. I want to see this team have so much success. I'm a big believer in Daniel Jones, and I'm kind of a believer in. Um, um, Jason Garrett, I mean, I saw what the Cowboys did the first season without him. Nothing truly impressive. And, I mean, I, I, you know, everybody said that Mike McCarthy so much of a better upgrade over Jason Garrett. And let's take a little bit of a step back here. Jason Garrett did great last season without a running back, just kind of letting Daniel Jones do it all. Didn't really kind of work like that. But now you get Saquon Barkley back. Uh, Jason Garrett has a full season under his belt with this team. Daniel Jones can only go up. I mean, I'm seeing this man get better every single season. So here we go. This is it. Do or die here this season for the Giants. And I'm all about it. Eighth easiest schedule goes to the Giants. Alrighty, let's see who's up now. Still haven't seen the box, and that's not good. That's not good. They just won the Super Bowl. Now they're about to have the easiest schedule here. So seventh easiest schedule goes to the Panthers. Love to see that as well. I want to see Teddy B get a little bit better. I mean, t uh, the Panthers season and the Giants season kind of went equally the same. Both lost their running backs for the entire season. Quarterbacks did very good jobs. Just not having a very good running game is just going to be predictable for the defense. They're only going to kind of play the passing a lot. So Teddy B got it done last season. I expect him to do it again here Matt Rule another full season under his belt getting a little bit of an easier schedule here in 2021 let's see what now this is do or die as well Panthers do or die Giants do or die let's see who has uh, got an easier schedule here um, after the Panthers what else do we got? What do we got here? All right, tied for the fifth easiest is the Broncos. All righty. Big question marks here whether they're keeping Drew Locke or not. So if this kind of Broncos team wants to go out and draft a quarterback, they got a pretty easy schedule to kind of help them get acclimated while playing um, if they don't uh, stick with Drew Locke. So they've gotten some nice pieces all over the field. they still got Melvin Gordon as their running back who kind of, you know, still got it done this season, splitting carries with uh, Phillip Lindsay, And they got Jerry Jones. Duty. Great speedy wide receiver. So it's all going to depend on the quarterback whether they choose Drew Locke or not. But any quarterback that they stick out there should have decent success here uh, the first season. Alrighty, then we get to the Dolphins. Yes, sir, tied for the fifth easiest schedule. Hopefully we can get a nice kind of deep threat wide receiver early in this draft, and then we can just, that's all we're missing. That's all Tua needs. So great for Tua here. He's got kind of a full, uh, not a full season because he didn't play the entire season, but he's got a nice season under his belt. Now he's got a full off season to work with and an easy schedule to kind of help, help him get acclimated to the second year. And now you just add a nice weapon for this man. Watch out for the Dolphins to go deep, folks. We're going to. We're going to win it all this season. Here we go. Uh, we'll go 17-0 as well. All right, now we finally get to the Bucks' Fourth easiest schedule, bringing basically every single person back on fair. They'll repeat as champions. There it is. We don't even need to watch this season. Uh, so they'll win it. All right. Ooh, Atlanta here. Third easiest schedule. Interesting. We just saw them kind of... Uh, talk about kind of uh, everything that's coming out of, you know, Arthur Blank and kind of Falcons management is saying, hey, we're keeping everybody offensively. Uh, we're keeping both our wide receivers, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, and we're keeping Matt Ryan. So we'll see if they can get it done this season. The lack of success over these last couple seasons for the Falcons have not kind of looked very good for Julio Jones or... Um, 
Matt Ryan, but we'll see what they're able to do here at the third easiest schedule. All right, second easiest schedule goes to the Cowboys. And man, oh man, are they going to need it because we just saw how they looked without uh, Dak Prescott. And it was truly the most pathetic performance I've ever seen from coaching and players uh, collectively without having a starting quarterback. They all just kind of mailed it and phoned it and said, oh, our starting quarterback went down. All righty. I guess we don't do anything now what like what do we do so uh Cowboys definitely going to help out Dak Prescott to get kind of rehab from that injury and we'll see what kind of Mike McCarthy can do with an easy schedule is he still going to be making excuses here we'll see and then the easiest schedule of 2020 goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Alrighty, I'm kind of impressed with this. Um, they get a new head coach. Doug Peterson's no longer there. RIP Doug Peterson. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts, he's going to get his kind of first official full season under his belt here. So helping out Jalen Hurts a little bit here. I'm all for seeing how Jalen Hurts can kind of take this Eagles team and kind of be the new face of the franchise. Hopefully they treat him a lot better. Better than they traded Carson Wentz, but a nice kind of jump start to this season for the Eagles having a nice, easy schedule. Alrighty, folks. So there it is. That's 2021, folks. Who's going to come out on top? Those are the hardest and easy schedules here. Everybody having their own kind of adversity to overcome still. And let's see who's going to take advantage of those easy schedules and who's going to get eaten alive by the hard ones. Alrighty, let's uh, keep moving on here. We can talk about this real quick. Kyle Pitts, I'm sure y'all all heard of him. We're big, we're big about him here on the show. Uh, big old great tight end. Uh, uh, great catching tight end, going to be even better than Dar Darren Waller, most likely. So PFF tweets out the three highest graded plays of his career. So let's just watch these three plays very quickly. The first one, let's see what he's got over the middle, just kind of getting away from the corner. And look at that finishing speed, folks. Yes, sir. He's got about a solid kind of a half a step inside on the defender, <clears throat> catches it, no problem, no chance of a, of a batted ball, no chance of a, at a pass breakup that's how kind of open he is compared to this defender and then he's got the closing speed to finish off the last 35 yards uh great speed on this man watch out i'm telling you great big fast can catch the ball fantastic all right here we go at play number two now the second highest graded play by this man going deep over the middle of the field and once again decently wide open a nice little stiff arm there to give him even more space more separation i mean look at this folks this is solid <clears throat> solid this is two steps this is like two full steps on the safety so not very or so so fantastic for um kyle pitts and then that finishing speed again look at him go uh that stiff arm breakaway speed I mean he, he nobody's even within like five yards once he gets into the end zone so he's got great over the top speed speed can get you beat right on the line and speed's going to carry him into the end zone after he's already got a half a step on you and then the highest graded play from Kyle Pitts of his entire career let's see what he can do at the 25 yard line one-on-one -on -one coverage going up and getting the ball yes sir high pointing the ball like a receiver does and he's only a tight end look at that man Work. Defender literally draped all over him. Kyle Pitts still has a solid kind of a half a step on this man. Ball is thrown perfectly over his shoulder. He goes up, gets it, high points the ball, gets in the end zone as well. So this is what this man 
can bring oh that's there we get this in slow-mo let's watch this man full screen slow motion look at that catch fantastic while getting pass interference he got a pass interference call on him and he still caught it for a touchdown you cannot stop this man legitimately or just trying to cheat as well by drawing a penalty watch that man go up watch that man go up for this ball fantastic fantastic this man's gonna be fantastic he's going to be great and i'm telling you he's gonna be one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game Alrighty, let's switch over to some NBA stories. What do we got here? Alrighty, Drew Holiday has agreed to a four-year, $135 million contract extension with the Bucks. Absolutely deserved. I mean, he kind of missed a couple of games here midway season. Ever since he's been back, they, they've only lost like three games out of like 15 or 17 games. So, uh, he's what the Bucks miss when he's not on the floor. A true kind of point guard on there to facilitate the floor. We saw kind of Dante DiVincenzo take over for a little bit when Drew Holiday was injured. Um, and it, it just did not look the same. It wasn't consistent. Drew Holiday, the true kind of floor facilitator, and that's what you need when you got great beef all around you. And Giannis, obviously, Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton. So nice kind of great pickup here. Truly deserved. They definitely needed to pay him because that's this, this, that, that's what the Bucks were missing, just kind of that great kind of point guard when he was out. So definitely needed to pay that man, and they did. Alrighty, the rich get even richer. The Clippers. DeMarcus Cousins is reportedly signing a 10-day contract with the Clippers. Now, we just have seen kind of Sergi Baca miss a couple of games here. I think he's missed at least five to seven games so far. So maybe the injury to Sergi Baca is a little bit more concerning. Uh, they're not that deep at the big department. Their second big is Zubak, and they don't really have that great of a third. So DeMarcus Cousins, let's see what he can do for this team. I mean, as a starter, what is this man doing as a starter? Uh... Here we go. This one. Um, as a starter, and uh, he started 11 games this season, 27 minutes played in those starting roles, and he put up 13 points and 11 rebounds. I mean, absolutely fantastic. That's great work. Now coming off the bench in 14 games this season, only six points and five rebounds. So his production does definitely uh, drift off when he does not start. But we'll see kind of what the role they kind of use him in. Is he going to be the starter? Is he? Are they going to start Zubak and kind of have him come off the bench? But either way, they're getting depth at the big position that they desperately need. Alrighty, and we've said this, we've said this, and now play people are starting to catch on here. So shout out to Dre to LA on Twitter. Um, did the Nuggets win the trade deadline? Question mark. Question mark. Yes, they gosh darn did, and we've been saying that. I mean, uh, Valanciunas just won their first game with the Bulls. Ever since uh, Aaron Gordon came to the Nuggets, they have won, and the production of all their players have not dropped down really any. It's making them better. Here we go, Michael Porter Jr. Is shooting 64% from three over the last six games. Now, um, I think Aaron Gordon's only been there the last three games, but still, he's still consistent. That just proves that Aaron Gordon coming into the starting lineup really isn't taking that great a production away from Michael Porter Jr. or Jokic. They're just kind of getting better. They're still staying the same, but Aaron Gordon is out there still getting great production himself. So this offense is making it work. It's a truly a great starting lineup. They haven't lost a game since Aaron Gordon has been implemented into the starting starting lineup it's not like they they they're having they didn't even drop any they dropped Paul Millsap down to the bench that's not losing that much production from him he's great at defense but he doesn't put up anything really um truly too impactful in kind of the offensive stat department but he gets it done so uh yes I, I would say they definitely hands down won the trade deadline um 
just they're not losing folks and I don't think they'll lose another game honestly that's how great that offense is looking nobody's taking a step back you've kind of got four number one scoring options Jamal Murray's the number one scoring option on any other team um you know any other you know non you know not like the Nets, obviously. You know, just a normal team out there. Jamal Murray can be the number one option. Jokic has been the number one option this entire this entire season with this team. Michael Porter Jr. is shooting 64% now. He could easily be the number one option on a team. And uh, Aaron Gordon, he was kind of the number one with the Magic when he was on the floor. So uh, this team has four number one scores, and they all can get it done still. So absolutely magnificent. No drop-off in production. That's why we say the Nuggets won the trade deadline. All right, and then the last story to cover, oh my goodness, Steph Curry does not know what it feels like to lose, and they are losing this season, folks, truly unfortunate. So, the Warriors have lost 7 of 8, and we get a quote here by Steph Curry, quote, I hope it stings, I hope it's uncomfortable, I hope it motivates you to keep grinding, challenging yourself to get better. Well, we've seen it doesn't because we've seen Steph Curry like absolutely, absolutely blow his mind on the sideline yelling at these people and they still don't step up. Steph Curry missed a couple of games here uh, over these last kind of eight games, the seven of which they lost and nobody steps it up. So Steph Curry, he's like, I don't know what I I don't know what motivates you, y'all. I just had a great performance last night. I'm trying to get it done. Nobody else is helping me. We have a bad bench. Our star, our starting lineup is decent but y'all don't really step up on a consistent basis and we don't really have the bench to kind of make up for your lackluster performance there offensively I'm trying to do it all myself and I really hope it stings every time we lose because I'm a champion I'm a champion. Me and Draymond Green are champions. Andrew Wiggins, you a champion? Oh, you're not. Kelly Oubre Jr., you a champion? Oh, you're not. Uh, Kevon Looney, are you a champion? Yeah, because you were with us, I think, for a couple of those runs. Uh, James Wiseman, you're a rookie. You're a rookie. You don't even know. You don't even freaking know what it means to even play in this league. Come on. Come on. So Steph Curry's like, hey, I'm already a champion. Uh, people are already calling me the greatest shooter of all time. This is y'all legacy that you're you're messing up here. Y- y'all are not playing good. I'm still doing it. But I hope it stings. I hope it's uncomfortable. I hope y'all are, tra- I hope y'all are trash buckets get a little bit better here. So, um... Talking by Steph Curry doesn't work. They they need other pieces. They need players. Uh, they need bench depth, which they don't have. Um, so truly unfortunate there by the Warriors. I mean, <clears throat> nothing looking really good here for them. And uh, where are they at currently in the standings? They are currently, oof, number 10 in the West, just on that cutoff of the playing tournament. And the Pelicans and the Kings are knocking on the door of that 10th seed because we see the Warriors at 23 wins, Pelicans at 22 wins, and the Kings also at 22 wins. So they're like, hey, it'd be a shame if uh, y'all didn't even make that playing tournament. So we'll see how the uh, Warriors do after this Steph Curry quote, but we just saw him yelling at them on the bench and it still didn't light a fire under them. So I'm not expecting this quote to do that either. Alrighty, let's quickly preview March Madness tonight. The finals is tonight. Gonzaga in Baylor. So let's just go to our bracket very quickly. And all our algorithm hasn't been great this entire tournament. It's been a little hit and miss here and there. But hey, it got us to the final two. Gonzaga in Baylor. We predicted that correctly through our algorithm. And we'll know if we're 100% right on our algorithm with having Gonzaga being the winner. And we also 
called the score 92 to 84 in favor of Gonzaga. So we are expecting Gonzaga to win by eight points. So we'll check the spread in a second and kind of get the great value because if we're going to call this an eight point win for Gonzaga, if they're getting, you know, if, if we have to swallow, you know, six or seven points, we'll do that because we are firmly standing behind our algorithm here. It got us the right two players in the championship game. So I, it's a success. I would say that's successful. It also won us our, our bracket pool. So once again, I would say that's successful. So we'll go with Gonzaga winning. We'll check what the line is and go with that. Um, like we said, uh, we have won our tournament bracket pool. There's no way these other uh, competitors here, Go Ruckers or HGMF6, can get us, can catch us in the point column. So we're going to kind of finish. Uh, Where overall rank is 199,000 uh, on kind of bracketchallenge.ncaa.com. And we're in the 90th percentile. I would say that's pretty decent success there, folks. So. Our algorithm will tweak it, you know, for next March Madness. But overall, I would say first year with our algorithm, we'll take it. And if we just kind of compare it to Go Ruckers, what he did, obviously not listening to our algorithm, he gets placed at 744,000. <laughs> so not that great there. 61 percentile in HGMF6. Jeez Louise out here. He's in uh, 1 millionth, 1 million 118,000th place. Not good. Not good. He's in the 41 percentile. So um, I would say overall decent success here by us and we'll see if Gonzaga can close it out and kind of make uh, we all chose Gonzaga I mean they are the clear favorites but we'll see um all right now let's talk about what the line is what the spread is I think it's gonna be a close one folks I mean these are two number one seeds Baylor was looking real good in their last game um so let's see what we are getting here for the official line oh yes sir bingo bango love it Baylor plus four and a half Gonzaga minus four and a half we will take that we just said that Gonzaga is gonna win by eight baby come on we gotta believe in our algorithm Gonzaga minus four and a half easy money there let's get it I think Gonzaga gets back to their great defense I think it held uh holds Baylor a little bit here and you know we all know Gonzaga can put up the points offensively they've got no problem doing so they just put up 93 to win the final four where Baylor only put up 78 and Houston only put up 59 points. That was not a game. Baylor won right off the rip because Houston could not score to save their lives. Gonzaga does not have that problem. So, yes, sir. The most points Baylor has ever scored this tournament was 81. 81. Gonzaga hasn't scored under 83 points the entire tournament. So, what are we talking about here? Minus four for Gonzaga. They get it done. Baylor does not have that great offensive scoring that Gonzaga has or even that Gonzaga has seen through this tournament. I mean, they just face. UCLA who put up 90 90 points against them that was the only real team that really rivaled them and they still won by three I know it was the last second buzzer beater but hey I still got to give respect to the man he made the shot I'm not going to count it a lucky shot he banked it off the glass he 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 played what you do if you're kind of throwing up a a uh, what was it like two or three steps inside of the half court line you're going to bank it off the backboard I mean you're going to put everything into that throw so I'm not saying this is a lucky throw a uh, lucky shot or anything like that they won by luck I know Skip Bayless is going on luck 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 it's a little annoying at this point but I mean uh, you, you, you hit the shot I mean you calculated the shot perfectly I'm not going to count that as luck man I'm not so Gonzaga wins by three over UCLA who put up 90 points we can swallow the four and a half here 
Gonzaga, congratulations, congratulations. You are the 2021 March Madness champions. Hopefully, we didn't just jinx you there, so we'll knock on wood for you. But we got Gonzaga minus four and a half. Alrighty, let's head over to the NBA. We'll talk about what happened in the NBA. We'll update our MVP and Six Man of the Year candidate uh, categories and we'll, our awards, and we'll also try to f- squeeze in Tyson Campbell here in our NFL Draft Prospect of the Day. We went a little long on those stories today, so we'll see if we can get to those, which I think we can. We'll see. Alrighty, here we go. From last night, the Nets and the Bulls first game up here, and finally the Bulls get the win. First win with Vucevic in the lineup, so let's see if this can kind of kickstart the Bulls here. The Bulls are currently uh, the 10th seed in the East, and I really want to see what they can do now that Vucevic is here, now that I kind of like their lineup. Uh, Thaddeus Young, Vucevic, Zach Levine, I'm all about those three players. So definitely rooting for the Bulls here in the back half of the season, and they get the win over the Nets, who didn't have James Harden, but Kyrie Irving still in the starting lineup. Kyrie Irving can't win the game by himself, but James Harden can. Folks, that's what we're talking about, James Harden at MVP. Kyrie Irving, not even the best player on his team, man. And I'm oof, oof, oof. Not going to get carried away with Kyrie Irving slander today, but let's just all point that out. But let's start here with the winning team of the Bulls here. Uh, here we go. They, the starting lineup, uh, Thaddeus Young still at the four, Zach Levine at the two, and Vucevic at the five. So this is going to – I'm expecting on what they're going to just kind of rock with for the rest of the season. But here we go. Thomas uh, Satornski here. 19 points, 11 assists. Fantastic game. He shot 80% as well. Fantastic work. Zach Levine, 25 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. He shot 47%. Got it done. Vucevic, yes, sir. Back to having great performances here by Zach Levine and Vucevic. That was our one kind of concern that we haven't seen. Vucevic and Zach Levine have great games together, but we get it right here. Zach Levine with the 25 points, 5 assists, and Vucevic with the 22 points and 13 rebounds on 5 58% shooting, so they both got it done. Then we get Thaddeus Young, uh, 12 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds on 37% shooting, and he was a plus 12 on the floor, the highest plus minus uh, tied with Vucevic, so the defense there of Thaddeus Young got it done at the 4, love it. And then Patrick Williams to round out the starters here, 11 points, 3 rebounds on 80% shooting, so a very efficient starting lineup here. And then off the bench, we get Daniel Tice, 10 points, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. We'll take that. Daniel Tice kind of fitting in decently here for this uh, Bulls team. And Daniel Tice coming off the bench, I love that a lot more than Daniel Tice starting. So the starters here starters here for the Bulls got it done, and now we can start talking about this team realistically as kind of playoff contenders, and I'm all about it now. Vucevic and Zach Levine got the first win out of their way. Let's see what they can do. Alrighty, we also have to update our... NBA awards. Uh, we just started this kind of backup on, uh, I believe, Saturday show where we're kind of making a firm. We're starting to talk about these awards every single day now. We've kind of um, named our top five in the MVP race: Giannis, Harden, Joel Embiid, Lillard, and Jokic. And then for the Six Man of the Year race: Montrose Harold, Jordan Clarkson, Tim Hardaway Jr. That is young. Those are kind of the players that we are keeping big track of in those two award races. So on every single game that they play, we are going to judge their performance on a negative five to positive five number scale. If you win the game, you get two points. And then depending on how you played that game, we either move you minus or plus and give you more points than that. And if you lose the game, we we 
we start off at minus two points and then we start to move you, you know, closer to minus five if you're trash, uh, if your performance was trash, or, you know, closer to plus five if your performance was good in a loss. And if you didn't play the game, we subtract three points. You have minus three points for not playing. You cannot not be playing games here at the end of the season where playoff positioning, you know, MVP races are starting to get a little bit more defined here. So if you miss the game, if you don't play in the game, we subtract three points from you. So let's go to uh, Thaddeus Young because, you know, he's in our sixth man of the year. So we got to evaluate his performance a little bit closer here. So Bulls get the win. That's two points. He was great on the defense with a plus 12. He got 12 points, 10 plus points, five assists, five rebounds. 37% shooting wasn't great. So he gets two points for the wins. And then we're going to add an extra point for his kind of performance out here. Good performance compared to everybody else. That's what we're talking about. So we'll give Thaddeus Young three points for the performance last night bringing his grand total up to five, which is now tied for last, unfortunately, still. So, <clears throat> all righty, Thaddeus Young at five points now. All right, let's start talking about the Nets now. As I said, James Harden did not play in this game. Truly unfortunate, but Kyrie Irving has to pick up the slack, and he can't, and he can't lead his team to a win here. So what are we talking about, man? James Harden is better than Kyrie Irving. I don't know how many times we have to say that. Uh, so, and I also don't like that Blake Griffin's in the starting lineup. When did that start to become that? No, no, no. Still have him come off the bench. I truly think that definitely hurt this starting lineup a little bit, this Nets team a little bit. So, uh, yeah, we get uh, Blake Griffin in the starting lineup at the starting four, and we'll talk about his performance when we get there. But let's start here with Kyrie Irving first. 24 points, 15 assists, two rebounds. He shot 44%, 0-4 from three, so not great there. But I'll give him the 24 points and 15 assists. It's just, you know, James Harden usually gets wins when he's out there by himself. So Kyrie Irving can't do the same. And, you know, Kyrie Irving saying that he's the best player ever. Mm, I'm not... I'm not really buying it, my man. You're not the number one. You're not a number one on any team you go to. I do not care anymore. I'm over it. This solidifies it right here. I'm over it. Uh, alrighty. Then we get uh, Bruce Brown at the two here. 10.6 rebounds. He shot 71%. LaMarcus Aldridge in the starting lineup here at the five. 11 points. Three rebounds. A little light in the rebounds, but uh, 11 points. We'll give it to him. Blake Griffin, 10 points, 2 assists, 8 rebounds. He took 4 threes. We need to cut that down big time. He shot 1 of 4 from 3. Stop with the threes. He was with that. He was shooting 6 a game in Detroit. And then off the bench, he was shooting like 2 a game. We, we thought that was fine. But now he's in here back in the starting lineup testing his, kind of testing it a little bit too much out here with the 4. So let's rein it in a little bit. Don't like Blake Griffin in the starting lineup. Have him come off the bench. But uh, we'll see what Steve Nash does with when everybody's healthy. Um, and then Joe Harris, a little bit of a light game by him. Um, 11 points and six rebounds. He shot one of four from three. So definitely could have used a better performance by Joe Harris to help out Kyrie Irving a little bit. Unfortunately, they did not get that. But off the bench, they get Landry Shamit, 13 points off the bench. Love it. And Jeff Green, 21 points off the bench. Fantastic work. So uh, Nets, unfortunately, lose to the Bulls. But very well done for the Bulls of getting their first win with Vucevic. Alrighty, let's move on to the Clippers and the Lakers now in an easy win here for the Clippers. No Lamar or no Andre Drummond, no LeBron James, no um Anthony Davis, so there's no reason why this Lakers team would win, obviously. Um, and, you know, it's so funny, you know, Kyle Kuzma having a great game last game, had that quote of, you know, I, hey, I, I love this game. I, I practice so hard for this game. I freaking, I, I'm great, and I just let it fly. And now this game, he can't step up a minus 25 when he's on the floor, the worst of the game. Six points on 20% shooting for Kyle Kuzma, 0-4 from three. He had seven rebounds, so I'll give him those rebounds, but everything else, truly awful. So it's just 
just so funny, man. Nobody ever steps up consistently on this Lakers team. And, uh, you know, another big old loss here. All right, so let's start here with the Clippers before we get into too much there with the Lakers. I was ready about the spaz on Kuzma a little bit. Uh, but here we go. For the Clippers, Rondo made an appearance off the bench. We'll talk about him when we get to him. But Reggie Jackson, six points, one assist, three rebounds. Not very good. Shot 25%. Paul George, 16 points, two steals, three assists, seven rebounds. He shot two of four from three and 42% overall from the field, so not terrible. Zubak, the starter here because of no... Um, Serge Ibaka. So Zubak gets uh, six points, nine rebounds. He was also a plus 23 on the floor. I mean, they won by a big margin. So, I mean, everybody's going to have a big plus minus out here. Um, and then uh, Marcus Morris, 22 points, seven rebounds. He shot four or five from three, and he was just cashing in all night. So wonderful game by Marcus Morris. He was the leading scorer of the squad, so very well done. And then that brings us to Kawhi Leonard, 19 points, two steals, eight assists, 10 rebounds. Super consistent here. Two of two from the three and 53% overall so a magnificent game here from Kawhi getting it done in literally every facet of the game we love it Alrighty, Rondo making his appearance off the bench, only playing 12 minutes off the bench, two points, two steals, three assists, one rebound, and shooting 33%. He was also a plus two on the floor. So we'll see, obviously, him getting more and more minutes out here. We'll see if he ends up kind of rivaling Reggie Jackson for the starting kind of point guard position when Patrick Beverly is not there. We'll also see if he kind of can kind of rival Patrick Beverly as a starting point guard once he kind of gets back. I don't think so, but we'll see what happens. And then uh, let's shout out Luke Kennard out here off the bench. 15 points in 18 minutes. Love it. Alrighty, now let's get to this lackluster Los Angeles Lakers team, shall we? Shall we? Nobody steps up except for Montrez mother-loving Harrell. Leading score, and he didn't even start. That's what we're freaking talking about, baby. Um... So, Montrose Harold, uh, sixth man of the year um, candidate, according to us. So, we'll kind of judge his performance in a second, but let's get to the starters first. Dennis Schroeder, 8.7 assists. He shot 25%. Once again, nobody stepping up. Uh, KCP, 8 points on 33% shooting. Once again, nobody stepping up here. Marcus Gasol, 11 points, 3 rebounds. Markeith Morris, 9 points, 5 rebounds. And then that brings us to Kyle Kuzma, the 6 points on 20% shooting. Nobody ever steps up man um so save the quotes kuzma of how you're so freaking good and you love the game and you practice so much you're obviously not a number one you're not a number two you're not a number three you're a bench player elevated to a starter when all the good players are out so let's uh rein in those horses a little bit kuz um Alrighty, Montrose Harold off the bench, leading score for the squad. Leading score for the squad off the bench. Uh, can we give it up for Montrose Harold, folks? 19 points, six rebounds on 58% shooting. Fantastic work. Let's also shout out Taylor Horton Tucker as well. 16 points, five rebounds on 50% shooting. Good night by him. Also off the bench, but none of the starters could get it done. So unfortunate for the Lakers. Now, Montrose Harold is our sixth man of the year candidate here. So we got to judge his performance and assign points to his performance. So they get the minus two. We have to start him at minus two for a loss there. But his performance out here, a leading score of the squad, a minus four out on the floor, 19 points. Fantastic. I think we're going to elevate his points to plus one we'll give him plus one out here 
fantastic work, being consistent out there. So Montrose Herald with six points already. We give him one for last night's performance. He is now tied for first in our six-man-of-the-year race here with Jordan Clarkson, both at seven points. So very well done to Montrose Herald. Absolutely love what this man does. Super consistent every single game, and I absolutely love it. So uh, Montrose Herald, very well done. Montrose Harold should be having quotes after every single game being like, man, oh man, I just love this game so much. I put in so much work like Kyle Kuzma did with that quote, that ridiculous quote of having one good game. <laughs> Wild. Um, all right. Let's keep on going here. Celtics and the Hornets in a big old win here for the Celtics. And once again, I mean, no Gordon Hayward. Definitely hurting this um, Hornets team a little bit too much here. So, a little unfortunate. Can't really see this Hornets team being really where they were or winning more games. So, man, oh, man, it was a good run, Hornets. But um, I think it's going to be uh, – I don't think you're going to be keeping – wow, they are already dropped big time here. Remember, they were the fourth seed coming into this game now they've dropped down all the way down to that six seed so it's going to be a matter of time they've got a nice little five game cushion here between the sixth seed and the tenth seed but um they're not going to be winning any more games unfortunately so Alrighty, so let's start uh, here with the Celtics. Evan Fournier, he is making it work with this team now. Alrighty, that first game, really bizarre. Like 0 of 10 shooting, 0 points overall. But ever since that first game, he's been able to kind of get it into rhythm here for the Celtics team. So very well done. And I'm now excited. We can start talking about the Celtics team as good as a good team, as a solid team. Potentially one that can get into the top 10 of our power rankings come Friday when we re-update our list. But this is what we're talking about. Celtics was starting to win games now so here we go let's talk about them first Kemba Walker 12 points six assists he shot two of nine from three so once again those threes are a little bit too much there got to tone that down he could take like five threes I'm down with him taking five threes a game but these nine ten ugh, that per it's not efficient when he's reaching those numbers all right, Marcus Smart, though, 12 points, 4 assists, 4 of 7 from 3. That's who we need taking all those threes. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, one of those, not Kemba. Um, Robert Williams still having great performances out here at the starting five. Love it, man. This man is really getting it done. 16 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, and 8 rebounds. 4 of those, offensive. We're, that's what we're talking about. Great night by him. Uh, Jason Tatum, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He shot 3 of 9 from 3, 53% overall. And then Jalen Brown, 17 points, 6 assists, or 6 rebounds, and 5 of 8 from 3. So overall, great night here by the starters. Everybody in double digits there in the points, and that's what we're talking about. Then we get the bench. Evan Fournier, 17 points, 6 assists off the bench on 4 of 5 from 3, cashing out, yes sir. And a 5 of 9 from just the field overall. So great night by Evan Fournier. He brings the depth to their bench. He brings the shooting consistency on the bench now and now we're talking about almost a complete uh, Celtics team they also got Romeo Langford back this was his first game back he's been injured I think uh, basically the entire season only played 12 minutes but got three points and one assist and one rebound so we'll keep an eye on Romeo Langford can he kind of you know be another good scoring potential here off the bench here for the Celtics uh, but overall all in all Celtics get the win Back on track now. Celtics are now potentially playoff contenders. So, Alrighty, now the Hornets. It's just a little bit too much now. They they just not as deep anymore because now they have to make up for Monk, LaMelo Ball, and Gordon Hayward. It's just a little bit too much here. So here we go. Terry Rozier, 22 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. He shot 42% and 3 of 9 from 3. Pretty decent game overall. 
Uh, Devontae Graham, 11 points, 6 assists, 11 or 4 rebounds. Bismick Biombo, 6 points, 3 rebounds. Miles Bridges, 10 points, 5 rebounds. And then P.J. Washington, 3 points, 3 rebounds. So not the big old scoring potential that they're used to. Um, P.J. Washington filling in at the 3 for... Gordon Hayward is not even having close to the same potential there. I mean, he shot 16%, P.J. Washington. So, And now look at their bench. I mean, nobody even at 10-plus points there off the bench. We get a couple of sevens. Uh, Brad Wanamaker with seven points and three assists. Cody Zeller with seven points and seven rebounds. But it's just nobody's going to be able to make up that scoring production from Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup. And then nobody's going to make up the scoring output from those bench players that are now starting players unfortunate here so Hornets lose not good unfortunate 116 86 over the Celtics Alrighty, let's keep moving on here to the 76ers and the Grizzlies. Joel Embiid is back out. Unfortunate here for the 76ers, so we are going to have to deduct some points from him. So let's do that now. Uh, we are going to have to, unfortunately, subtract three points from Joel Embiid's total because uh, his point total because he lost, he did not play in the game. So you get minus three points for that. Um, alrighty, so let's start here, and they lost the game, not great at all, um, we'll talk about that in a second, but let's start here with the Grizzlies, great win by them, finally above 500, yes sir, where are the Grizzlies right now in the standings? The 8th seed, one game above 500. Yes, sir. Memphis Grizzlies back above 500. The roller coaster continues, so you know what that means. The next game is a guaranteed loss for this Grizzlies team to go back to 500. Um, but let's talk about them. Here we go. John Morant, 8 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, and he only took 8 shots all game. 1 of 2 from the 3 and 30, uh, 37% from the field. So overall, a decent game. Got it done on the defensive end and the assisting end. Grayson Allen, a good game by him. 15 points, two steals, two assists, five rebounds. He didn't he wasn't efficient from the three. Four of fourteen from the four of thirteen from the three, but I'll give him the fifteen points there. Jonas Valanciunas, 16 points, 12 rebounds, five of those five of those uh rebounds offensive, so a great night by him. Kyle Anderson, 10 points and six rebounds, and then Dylan Brooks to 17 points on 66% shooting and adding five rebounds and three assists. So overall, the starters kind of all got it done. And then look at this bench, folks. Fantastic. DeAnthony Melton, 14 points and 15 minutes off the bench. Brandon Clark, 15 minutes and 21 minutes off the bench. And then Desmond Bain, 14 points, six rebounds, and 23 three minutes off the bench so this is what the Grizzlies needed just kind of consistency here off the bench they got it the starters all got it done and they're able to be a Joel Embiid list 76ers team all right, let's go to the 76ers now. Who did not step up? Well, Danny Green comes to mind. Six points with only two of six from the three, so not great there. Tobias Harris had 21 points, but I want to say like a lot of those points, I want to say like 15 to 16 of those points came in like the first quarter or kind of like the first quarter and like the first uh, six minutes of the second quarter. So really kind of front-loaded in the points here, kind of trailed off there as the game progressed. But he had 21 points and eight rebounds and three assists, leading scorer for the squad. We can, I mean, he's always that consistent. So we, we're never worrying about Tobias Harris on this team. Uh, Mike Scott fills in for Joel Embiid at the starting five, nine points, three rebounds. Nothing like what Joel Embiid brings to this team. Seth Curry also doesn't step it up. Classic game. Three points on 16% shooting. One of five from three. Awful. And then Ben Simmons, only seven points, four assists, and seven rebounds. So definitely a little light on what he can do. So just nobody really stepping it up truly to make up the lack or to just to make up the production that Joel Embiid brings on a game-to-game -game basis. 
All right, but let's talk about their bench because Dwight Howard has nine points and 12 rebounds. That's what we're talking about. Love having Dwight Howard on this team. He's really just kind of stepping up into his own uh, potential six man. Well, I would probably say, you know, out of the, you know, the front runners of six man of the year, I would definitely say Dwight Howard is kind of outside looking in and definitely had a nice opportunity to compete for that. Just a little bit lackluster in kind of the first stage, maybe the first half of the season, but has really started to been picking it up a little bit, a lot more consistently here um, as the season progresses. So I definitely want to shout out Dwight Howard. He's really still getting it done out here. Consistent piece out here for this squad. Love his work. All right, Shake Milton also put up 14 points off the bench in only 16 minutes. And let's also shout out Paul Reed, 10 points and 6 rebounds in 13 minutes off the bench. So we'll give it up to him. So just overall, the starters really couldn't get it done. The bench had some nice scoring production out here. Just unfortunate the 76ers starters could not get it done without Joel Embiid. So 76ers lose by 16 out here, 116-100 over the Grizzlies. Alrighty, moving on to the Hawks and the Warriors, and this is the game that Steph Curry got the quote from that, you know, he's hoping it stings, hoping this loss stings because y'all are some garbage pieces out here. Uh, Alright, so let's start here with the Hawks. Trey Young getting it done. 13 points, only 3 assists and 2 rebounds. Uh, didn't play very well. <laughs> 27% from the field. So definitely could have been a little bit better. He also had 7 turnovers. So that was actually not a good game by him. But other people kind of step up and get it done. Uh, so that's always promising when Trey Young doesn't have to be the one himself getting it done. Uh, Bo Bogdan Bogdanovich here, ten points, five assists. He also didn't shoot well either, thirty percent from the th from the field, three of six from three, not bad. Clint Capella had twenty four points and eight. 18 rebounds. Yes, sir. Clint Capella really kind of picking up the slack of Trey Young a little bit. And that's why we love this Hawks team. Trey Young and Clint Capella combined really get it done. And, uh, you know, Trey Young has a little bit of a light game. And Clint Capella picks up that great uh, scoring production with the 24 points. Fantastic. Uh, Solomon Hill in the starting lineup, 5 points, 5 rebounds. And then Kevin Huter back in the starting lineup, 10 points, 4 assists. 2 of 7 from 3, 36% overall. Not that great, but they got great help from this bench, folks. Daniil Gallinari, yes, sir, stepping up absolutely masterfully. Uh, 25 points, 10 rebounds off the bench. He shot 2 of 5 from 3, but he got to the line 15 times. So great production there from him. And then Lou Williams, yes, sir, here. 15 points and 3 rebounds. He shot uh, 2 of 3 from 3, fantastic. 33% overall from the field. Definitely could use a little bit of work, but we're talking 15-plus points off the bench from Lou Williams. That's all they need him to do. Trey Young, Clint Capella, really get it done scoring. And then Daniil Gallinari and Lou Williams off the bench. Those are some dangerous scorers out there. So now we're talking about a good Hawks team. They're on a nice little three-game winning streak here. We just put them at number 10 in our power rankings on Friday, so definitely made the right decision of sticking them at number 10 here, and they're paying off, and they're kind of working and showing us that they belong in our power rankings. So if they keep on winning, folks, we'll keep on moving them up in our power rankings, and I'm telling you, Lou Williams, just consistent offense here, and he's kind of making Daniil Gallinari better. I don't know if Daniil Gallinari has had a great game like this coming off the bench, and I think Lou Williams just kind of brings this bench team together. So I'm all about this Hawks team now that Lou Williams is here playing consistently, having him come off the bench. It's great production from there, and it's really kind of elevating the other plays around him. So all about this Hawks team. Alrighty. All right, let's talk about the Warriors now. They ended up losing. Steph Curry does what Steph Curry does. 37 points, only two assists and five rebounds. 
but we'll give him the 37 points. Wasn't efficient from three, three of 12 from three, uh, but 52% overall from the field. So we'll take that. Good night here by Steph Curry. Kelly Oubre Jr. also had a pretty good night here. 20 points, 11 rebounds. He shot 2 of 6 from 3, but 56% overall, uh, overall from the field. So that's what we're talking about. Kelly Oubre Jr. Just really, really kind of 20-plus uh, points. That's kind of where we want Kelly Oubre. And he put up 20, so that's what we're talking about. James Wiseman back in the starting lineup at the starting center. 8 points, 5 rebounds. He was a plus 3 in this game, so we'll give it up for him. Draymond Green, 11 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds. Great night by Draymond Green, just getting it done in every facet of the game. He had 4 steals as well, and he was a plus 9 in this, um, what was it, 6-point loss. So that's actually real good, and he was the leading plus on the floor for his squad. So Draymond Green gets it done defensively, uh, back at it defensively. And then Andrew Wiggins to round out the starters, 16 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 5 rebounds. He shot 3 of 7 from 3 and 50% overall. A classic Andrew Wiggins game. So overall, the starters all kind of got it done here. These are great performances. These are good, solid winning performances here by this Warriors starting roster. But like we said, they've got really no good bench at all. Kent Bazemore played 15 minutes and only put up 2 points. Kavon Looney, 2 points, 4 rebounds off the bench. Dame Damian Lee, nine points. He was the leading scorer off the bench, but it's not going to be enough, man. It's not going to be enough. I mean, we're seeing this Hawks team off the bench put up uh, 40 points between two players. Uh, the the one, two, three, four, five. What is this? Six players off the bench here for the Warriors, and they can't even get close to those 40 points that those two players for the Hawks put up. So, Warriors, they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. Definitely is going to hurt them because there's no solid scoring outside of Steph Curry, and there's really no great, out, great scoring production besides Steph Curry, Kelly Oubre Jr., and Andrew Wiggins. Nobody really gets it done. So, very, very lackluster scoring threat besides Steph Curry, and that's why they're barely winning games out here. So, Hawks get the win 117-111 over the Warriors. Alrighty, now let's go to the Pelicans and the Rockets now. Lonzo Ball back in the lineup, and we may have to apologize to this man because this man just had an absolutely great game. We just kind of called this man trash the other day, and we've been getting slack on that in our YouTube channel. Just downvoted into oblivion. People are making fun of me, calling me names. Uh, so definitely was not well received that I called out Lonzo Ball. The Lonzo Ball stands, the Kyrie Irving stands, the Russell Westbrook stands are some of the most annoying stands. Stands, the fans in uh, all of basketball. But um, Lonzo Ball gets it done here, especially with um, no Zion Williamson out there and no um, Brandon Ingram or, uh, yeah, Brandon Ingram out there. So he gets it done by himself out here. So let's shout out Lonzo Ball. 27 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds, and he shot 8 of 15 from 3. So fantastic work there. A great game by Alonzo Ball. So we will apologize for calling him trash. But, I mean, let's start being a little bit more consistent. Let's start winning games. Let's start getting into nice playoff positioning here. Because currently, this Pelicans team is not even in the playing tournament. So let's start getting some games together. Let's overtake that 10th seed by the Warriors. And let's, you know, have you know Alonzo Ball starting to be a little bit of a bigger piece of why they're winning games out here. So Lonzo Ball, great night by him. 
Alrighty, Eric Bledsoe also had a pretty good night out here. 19 points, wasn't efficient, 26% from the field and 4 of 12 from 3. So definitely could have been a little bit better. But we're talking about points. We need scoring. And Eric Bledsoe put up 19 points. So we'll give it to him. Steven Adams, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Great work. Jackson Hayes in the starting lineup. Love seeing that. 11.7 rebounds. A minus 11 on the floor. So the defense definitely has to get better. I mean, in a law in a win, you really can't be a minus. He's the only one that was a minus, a negative on the floor. So hopefully Jackson Hayes can get a little bit better. I mean, he hasn't been in the starting lineup all season. So definitely a little bit, you know, different than what he's used to. But I uh, love that he's getting some nice quality minutes, 29 minutes out there. And then James Johnson also getting in the starting lineup, and he had a great night. 18 points, 4 blocks, 2 steals, 3 assists, 7 rebounds on 50% shooting from the field and 1 to 5 from 3. So it wasn't efficient from the 3, but the points were there. He was a plus 17 in those 33 minutes. So let's give it up for James Johnson. He may have kind of earned himself a lot more kind of playing time out here. So that's fantastic. Players stepping up in the absence of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. That's what we're talking about. And then here we go off the bench. Uh, Nigel. Marshall, 12 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, and then Willie Hernana Gomez, 15 points and 12 rebounds. So really, overall, a lot of greatness here by this Pelicans team. All the starters really got it done, and uh, we got some nice, uh, solid contributions here off the bench. So Pelicans, an absolutely great game here against this Rockets team. Now let's see if this kind of Pelicans team can continue on this great stretch of everybody playing well. And like I said, let's start winning some games because I want to see this Pelicans team in the playoffs, folks. Um, I want to see them kind of be decent and potentially, you know, upset a first rounder. Alrighty, let's talk about the Rockets now. No uh, John Wall, unfortunately for them. He does not play, but um, Christian Wood is there. And also, Daniel House Jr. also leaves the game in the second quarter, uh, which definitely hurt them. He only played 11 minutes overall. And I forgot to mention, Nikhil Alexander-Walker for the Pelicans also got injured and got taken out of the game in the second quarter as well. So two decent pieces for both those teams, unfortunately, leaving the game. Alrighty, let's talk about this Rockets team now. Here we go. Kevin Porter Jr., newly acquired here. 12 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 of 3 from 3. 33% overall from the field, not terrible. Sterling Brown, 12 points, 4 rebounds. He shot 50% overall, 2 of 4 from 3. Christian Wood still getting it done. Man, oh man, that man's great. 15 points, 12 rebounds. Deshaun Tate, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And then Daniel House Jr., like we said, Leaving the game kind of midway second quarter, only one point in 11 minutes. Now let's talk about the bench because this Kelly Olynyk pickup for the Rockets have been has been the best move the Rock. The Rockets have made all season long. Kelly Olynyk coming off the bench, 26 points, 8 rebounds, 5 of 13 from 3. He's really flourishing here on this Rockets kind of scheme, um, and it, it's working to perfection. Now, if John Wall, if he can consistently start to play and be in that starting lineup, now we're talking about a pretty solid squad here. If Kelly Olynyk coming off the bench, you still got Christian Wood in the starting lineup. John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr., have uh, Sterling Brown come off the bench, and I mean, we've got some nice scoring production here off the bench but we need we need we need John Wall to start playing more consistently here uh what is his uh what injury slash illness that's the reason but man oh man gotta be out there for your squad 
So overall, not bad here. And this is still a team that I can decently buy into, this Rockets team. This is not the Rockets team where they were for that giant stretch when they lost like 17 games in a row. This is kind of the new Rockets team after the trade deadline Rockets team that we can buy into, you know, in certain circumstances uh, if John Wall and company is everybody is playing. Alrighty, um, last game of the night. Let's head over to that. The Nuggets and the Magic, and yes, sir, another game for this Nuggets team and another win. So let's start with this Nuggets team. Jamal Murray, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. all having great success out here. So here we go. Jamal Murray, 22 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Will Barton, 15 points, 8 rebounds. He even is still getting even better. With He's kind of the fifth option here scoring-wise. Will Barton's honestly like the six, the six, um, the six best score on this Nuggets team. If we're just looking at the starting lineup, I'm taking Jamal Murray, Jokic, Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. all over Will Barton, obviously. But I'm also taking them all again. I'm taking anybody, one of them again. Will Barton's the six best of this starting lineup here, uh, but he still got it done. 15 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Fantastic work. Jokic still getting it done. 17 points, 16 assists, 9 rebounds. Fantastic. Aaron Gordon, yes, sir, led the team in scoring. 24.7 rebounds on 76% shooting. Magnifico. And then Michael Porter Jr., once again, still getting it done. I mean, we have to say that after every player because they're all still getting it done, folks. It's wild. Uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds. Yes, sir. Now, off the bench, uh, they also got some nice production here from Monte Morris. 10 points in 17 minutes off the bench. So, this starting lineup really all get it done themselves. They don't really rely too much on their bench. So, we'll see kind of how that affects them going deeper towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Uh, because this starting lineup, I mean, they're all playing, what, 37 minutes by Murray, 34 minutes by Barton, 37 minutes by Jokic, 34 minutes by Aaron Gordon, 35 minutes for Michael Porter Jr. There's really nobody getting consistent quality minutes out there off the bench so the starters of this of this Nuggets team is really what they are this is what they are right here one through five that's how they win the games Alrighty, Jokic is in our MVP race here, so we have to judge his performance. They get the win, so we started him off with two points right off the rip. And, I mean, he was a plus 15 on the floor, the highest of the plus, plus minus tie with Jamal Murray. He had a double-double, very close to a triple-double, and that's what we're talking about. So we'll probably give him another point here uh, just because of the great defense and the assisting production from him. But overall, I mean, compared to all of his other players, all of his other starting lineup, uh, he can't give him too many more points but that's not a knock on Jokic we're talking about a full great team here so we'll give Jokic three points moving his total up to four points now and he moves tied for second with Lillard and Harden there for our MVP race Alrighty, let's talk about the Magic now. I mean, pretty decent game. I mean, yeah, they lost by 10, but I mean, like I said, I mean, this team is really kind of getting it done. Everybody really getting it done here. I mean, look at all these players in double-plus figure category in the point department. RJ Hampton, 16 points. Dwayne Bacon, 8 points, but he had 4 assists and 6 rebounds to go along with that. Wendell Carter Jr. at the 5, great pickup for them. 16 points, 9 rebounds. Chuma Okiki, 19 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. 
rebounds, and James Ennis the third, 17 points, five assists. So great work there by the starters. And then here off the bench, we get Terrence Ross putting up 19 points, leading the team in scoring, uh, tied with Chuma Kiki. And then uh, Mo Bamba getting some nice minutes out here, 13 minutes, put up 11 points and four rebounds. So this Magic team, they're all scrappy. They're all kind of looking to be that next guy going into next season. Let us still be on this team in the starting lineup, or let us kind of go to a competitive team, um, a championship competitor team, and let me come off the bench and be solid production there. So everybody kind of playing for the future here for the Magic, and they're kind of getting it done. It's truly impressive, this Magic team. Love it. Um, so... Nuggets get the win 119-109 over the Magic, and that is all that happened in the NBA last night. Let me just double-check to make sure that we got everybody accounted for in our award races. Oh, we got to do something with James Harden. So minus two for or minus three for not winning uh, for James Harden. But I think we're going to give him a plus one because the team flourished. Kyrie or the team floundered. Kyrie Irving couldn't do what James Harden does, which is win when he's the only superstar out there. So I think that kind of helps James Harden case a little bit. So we're going to give him one point there and uh, give his total up to five. So he is now the leader here. And I think we've uh, accounted for everybody else here. Uh, so. Alrighty. Montrezl Harold and Jordan Clarkson are now tied for the sixth man of the year. And uh, James Harden is the front runner with five points in our MVP race. Alrighty, so that is all the NBA from last night. Let's uh, see what's on tap in today's action. Um, probably, well, I, I know, uh, no nationally televised games today, unfortunately, because of March Madness. So after tomorrow, we should be right back on schedule with pretty much nationally televised games every single day now. So hopefully we start to see some of that. Uh, but here we go. What's on tap for tonight? Nets, Knicks. Ooh, okay. All righty. Battle of New York. Let's see if James Harden is back. Hopefully. I mean, he's missing too many games out here. Um, Got to get him back in. Uh, so Nets, Knicks at 7 o'clock. Wizards, Raptors, Jazz, Mavericks. That should be a good one, Jazz Mavericks. Um, Kings, Wolves, Thunder, Pistons, Spurs, Cavs, Rockets, and the Suns. All righty. Let's find out where the great value is. Let's remind you guys one more time what our March Madness pick is. Gonzaga minus four and a half. So we'll get this off the board. All righty. Here we go. First game up, Knicks, Nets. Knicks plus six. Nets minus six. All right, a little interesting here. Let's see who's in and out here. Uh, Mitchell Robinson out for the Knicks. That is it. And then for the Nets, Blake Griffin is out to rest. I mean, he's on back-to-backs. This man's playing in the starting lineup and then resting the next game. What is that? Kevin Durant is still out. Unfortunate. He should be making his uh, debut any time now. Um, Tyler Johnson out. Uh, Laundry Shamit out as well. So James Harden is playing and Kyrie Irving is playing here. I would expect this game to be a little tight here. Um, let's go to NBA Fantasy Labs because I want to make sure that Kevin Durant is definitely not playing here. So let's definitely see if we can get that. Um, yeah, Kevin Durant remains out Monday. That was 26 minutes ago. So looks like he may not be making his uh, debut or, well, kind of not his debut, but his return here to the Nets. All right. Uh, Nets have been disappointing us a little bit every time we've been betting them. Uh, we just bet them last night, minus two, and they can't even beat the Bulls. Uh, pathetic. So, yes, uh, James Harden is back, but the way this Knicks team is playing, 
Let's see if they can kind of keep it up. They just won their last meeting against the Pistons kind of in blowout fashion, 125-81. And we know this Knicks team doesn't really challenge greatness too well, but Battle for New York, that whole scenario playing in, they're just coming off of a dominant, dominant win. So we're going to stay away from this game and just learn from it. Let's see what James Hardy can do back in this lineup. Alrighty, next game up, Jazz and the Mavericks. Jazz minus 4.5, Mavericks plus 4.5 here. Alrighty, let's see who's in and out for this squad, for these teams. Alrighty, Juwan Morgan is a uh, game time decision for the Jazz. Not really too uh, too big there. And then for the Mavericks, J.J. Redick is out. Willie Colney-Stein is out. Chris Porzingis is a game time decision, so we'll see if he'll play, but I'm ready to rock with this Jazz team. I mean, they're on a nine-game winning streak, folks. They're just above and beyond, just kind of the middle-of-the-pack teams, and this Mavericks team is still kind of middle-of-the-pack, in my opinion. So, I mean, these nine games that the Mavericks have won, I mean, they beat the Magic by, like, 40 points. They beat the Bulls by seven. They beat the Grizzlies by, by about four, and that's kind of where I would put this Mavericks team kind of very close to what the Grizzlies team is um, and remember the Jazz faced the Grizzlies kind of like three times in the same week so they beat the Grizzlies once by three then once by 16 and then once by four but they can still get it done they blew out the Nets uh, they beat the Bulls by like 30 they beat the Raptors by three they and then their last loss was to the Wizards so which was uh, when was this March March 18th was their last loss. So we're going to still be riding with this Jazz team, especially with Kristaps Porzingis being a game-time decision. Um, usually when he's a game-time decision, he just doesn't play, <laughs> really. Um, so still don't have an update on him, so I'm assuming he's probably not going to play. And we're going to take the Jazz minus 4.5 here. Love this Jazz team. They get it done. All righty, let's keep moving on here. Cavs in the Spurs. Cavs plus 9.5. Spurs minus nine and a half. Alrighty, we know this lack. This Cavs team is very lackluster scoring the ball. Larry Nance Jr. is still out, and Jared Allen is still out. So we'll immediately stay away from the Cavs because Jared Allen is a huge piece of their offensive production. For the Spurs, we get um, who's out here? Uh, uh, Georgie Diang is a game time decision. Drew Eubanks is a game time decision, and Lonnie Walker is out. So decently. Decent number of players out for the Spurs. Nothing too concerning. But um, for the Cavs, I mean, they're just so lackluster offensively. We can't even take the nine. And you know how we feel about the Spurs. Just really nothing consistent here. Never. They're never consistent. They're one of the most inconsistent, inconsistent teams there are. So we'll stay away from this one. Spread is too big to play around with. Alrighty, let's keep moving on here. Kings and the Timberwolves. Kings minus four. Timberwolves plus four. Two real not good teams here. Uh, for the Kings, Hassan Whiteside's a game time decision, and Marvin Bagley is out. And then for the Timberwolves, Ricky Rubio's a game time decision. D'Angelo Russell, game time decision. So hopefully he plays. I mean, the last game he was a game time decision and didn't play. So let's see if he's in the starting lineup here. Malik Beasley, also a game time decision, and Jalen Noel, a game time decision. So we know what this Kings can do. This Kings team can do offensively. Put up the points but uh we're gonna stay away from it like we said just two not great teams really could go either way especially if d'angelo russell is playing would definitely be interested to see what this timberwolves team can do so we'll stay away from this one and learn from it 
Alrighty, and then what else do we get here up on deck? Wizards, Raptors, Wizards plus five, Raptors minus five. Alrighty, I'm kind of leaning toward the Raptors minus five a little bit here. They just had an unbelievable performance, putting up 130 points, and that was just a frustrating win for them. I mean, they're just like, you know what? We're a lot better than what our record indicates, but we're not winning, and then they just took all that energy out on the Warriors and disgraced the Warriors there. Uh, but here we go. For the Wizards, Bradley Beal, game time decision. Rui Hachimura is out, and Daniel Gafford is also out for the Wizards. And then for the Raptors here, Kyle Lowry is still out. Damn it, Kyle. Uh, Rodney Hood is out. Damn it, Rodney. Um, Fred Van Vliet is a game-time decision. And then Paul Watson is out, and Patrick McCaw is out. Alrighty. So basically just kind of uh, Fred Van Vliet being a game-time decision. A little concerning there. If we can get a kind of confirmation that he's going to play, I'd take the, uh, I would take the Raptors minus five there. Doesn't look like we're going to get anything, uh, any updates on Fred Van Vliet. But it seems like he is definitely not going to play, unfortunately. So I think we're going to stay away from this one. I was kind of leaning toward the Raptors minus five, but the Fred Van Vliet not being there, that's definitely going to hurt them. Um, if Kyle Lowry was still out, we would have still swallowed the five there for the Raptors. So we'll stay away from this one. Fred Van Vliet being a game time decision. Not great. Darn it. Alrighty. Last two games up here. Pistons, Thunder. Pistons minus three. Thunder plus three. Alrighty. I'm assuming Shea Gills Alexander is still not back here for the Thunder, unfortunately. But let's double check. For the Pistons, Wayne Ellington is out. Mason Plumley's out for the Pistons. That's kind of their best big. So Thunder may be able to have some nice success here. Rodney Magruder is also out. Alrighty. And then for the Thunder, what do we get here? Mike Muscala is out. Isaiah Roby is out. Shea Gilles-Alexander is still out. Lugant Dort is still out. Damn it. Darius Baisley's out. Damn, everybody's out for this Thunder team. Darn. Alrighty. So, going to have to stay away from that one as well. Uh, way too many outs there for the Thunder. But the plus three was looking decent. But too many outs there. And then the last game of the night, the Suns and the Rockets. Suns minus 14. Rockets plus 14. Alrighty. For the Suns, Frank Kaminsky and Abdel Nader are both out. And then for the Rockets, Aaron Gordon is still out. John Wall is still out. Damn you, John. Daniel House Jr. is still out. He just got out last game. And David Waba is still out. So, like we just said, we have to stay away from this Rockets-Suns game now. Uh, 14 is just too much to swallow here for the Suns. They should be able to cover it, no problem. But uh, we we uh, just not gonna buy it 100% here. So um, Jazz minus four and a half is that the only good value we see here today? Damn, truly damn. Alrighty, I think we're gonna just be rocking with our little old lone one teamer here with the Jazz minus four and a half. Can't really get any great value elsewhere. A lot of a lot of outs. Um, alrighty, that's going to do it for us today. We're not going to be able to get to our draft prospect today. Just went a little bit late today. We'll hit on him tomorrow. Um, alright, but let's see if anything is breaking as we were live. They had an offer for Lonzo. Oh, we already kind of said that, um, I think. Lonzo Ball potential trade to the Warriors, and they declined it. So we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. Alrighty, anything else good? Anything else? Yeah, the Nets make it official and rule Kevin Durant out tonight. Alrighty. And Blake Griffin is definitely out in a back-to-back. And James Harden is playing. We knew that. Alrighty. Alrighty. Nothing else seems to be breaking. 
Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Oh, Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy tonight, making his kind of two-week debut as the host of Jeopardy. Uh, let's see how he's sounding here. Let's see this. Saying it's an uh, incredible honor to guest host. He also won Celebrity Jeopardy. Nice little tribute to Alex Smith here. Or not, uh, not Alex Smith. Uh, Alex Trebek. We'll see how he does, man. I mean, we all know it's a big kind of uphill battle for um, Andrew Ro Aaron Rodgers to kind of have success as a host. That's not Alex Trebek. So we'll see how he does. We'll see if he's kind of the main guy. We'll see if this is what he does after football. And we'll see what happens. But uh, he's making his audition. Make these two weeks count, Aaron. Not like you made the freaking NFC Championship game not count. Do a little bit better. <laughs> close, close on the final round of Jeopardy. Close it out, please. Uh, so we'll see how he does tonight on Jeopardy for the next two weeks. Um, alrighty. So that is going to do it for us today, folks. That's going to do it. Um, alrighty. We're back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, doing the same thing again, folks, like we always do here on the daily. Um, so we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And hey, we, hey, Gonzaga, go and get the freaking win today. Go and get the win. Gonzaga. Get it done. Alrighty. Alex, Alex, uh, Aaron Rodgers, get it done as well. But Gonzaga, get it done a little bit more. Alrighty, we're out of here.